Tales of Panem, a Hunger Games podcast. My name is Claire, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm glad to have you all joining me this week. Make sure to check out my social media, which is at Tales of Panem on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok for updates, episode information, and more. This week's episode will cover chapters 24 through 27 of The Hunger Games, meaning that we have finished the first book. As usual, I'm going to start off with a brief recap of the chapters. So the games are nearing their end, and the game makers have drained all the water except for the lake by the cornucopia to draw everyone together. Katniss and Peter run into Cato as he is running away from a group of mutations, which are genetically engineered creatures created by the capital. They climb the cornucopia for safety, and Katniss realizes that the mutts have the eyes of the dead tributes. Cato grabs Peta and threatens to throw him over the side if Katniss shoots him, but Peta indicates for Katniss to shoot Cato in the hand. She does, and Peta uses the opportunity to push him over the side. A long time passes, and the mutts haven't finished Cato off yet, so Katniss climbs down and shoots him. With Cato dead, Claudius Templesmith announces that the rules have changed and there can only be one winner again. Peta tells Katniss to kill him, but she won't, and she pulls out the nightlock they gathered. Just as they are about to eat the berries, Claudius announces them as the victors of the 74th Hunger Games. Katniss and Peta are lifted out of the arena, and Peta is taken away to be treated while Katniss is locked in a room. When she is finally released, she is reunited with Hamish, Cinna, and Effie. Cinna prepares her for the closing ceremonies, and Hamish warns her that the capital is not happy with her. He tells her that she must act as though she did everything out of love for Peta. During their final interview, Katniss learns that Peta has been given a prosthetic leg, and she tells Caesar that she pulled out the berries because she could not bear the thought of living without him. On the train ride home, Peta is upset because he learns that Katniss has been acting the whole time. They arrive in District 12, where a crowd awaits their return, and that is where the book ends. So, we finished the first book. Um, Kind of crazy to think about that this podcast has only been going for a little over a month, um, but we've already covered a lot and that is one book down three more to go um and it's only gonna get crazier and crazier from here um as I'm sure we're all aware this book has a really nice but ominous ending is the best way that I can describe it like you're there's a lot of relief almost of like they've won they're home they're back in a familiar familiar environment they're no longer in the arena but they're not safe specifically Katniss like this is what Hamish is warning her about that like the capital the capital is kind of being laughed at by the people of Panem because they were shown up by Katniss when she pulled out the berries and when she like tricked the game makers basically into letting both her and Peta win um and so they're very unhappy with her and there's obviously the concern for her not just that like they're gonna punish her for it but that it could end up being her family that gets punished for it um and that's going to be her big concern going into catching fire because as we know she cares more about her family's safety than anyone including herself um so that is sort of going to be like her primary concern going into catching fire is like how do I keep myself and my family safe now that I have done this thing and also how do I find the time and the space within that to recover and to process everything that has happened to me in the arena and out and also like move on with my life and find my place back in district 12 because she's obviously a very different person than she was when she left district 12 and now it's kind of a question of like how is she going to fit back into her life that is also going to change significantly because her family is now extremely wealthy because that's what the victors get in exchange for winning they get food and money and a house and like all these amazing things um 
which is sort of supposed to be like they're like the capital's way of showing like oh this is how we like honor the victors but yeah so it's going to be how is she going to fit in that new life and how is how, how much has she changed as a person person and how are the people she left behind going to respond to who she is now and how is she going to like fit back in with those people um so a lot of big questions this end of this book is definitely a very good as like a setup for a sequel um because when i read this book both both catching fire and mockingjay were already out but i can imagine like reading this book and being like oh i'm ready for catching fire like when i read it i probably read the last page and then set it down and picked up catching fire because i was like i will read these books as fast as possible because i was obsessed by that point um but it's definitely a very good like it has a uh somewhat satisfying ending but it also leaves you with like i want more and there's a lot more story to be told here kind of backtracking a bit um at the start of these chapters Foxface has just died because she ate the nightlock that PETA had been gathering. Um, but what I want to talk about there is that PETA actually feels, and he doesn't say it, but Katniss acknowledges that she can tell that he feels it, a lot of guilt for the way that Foxface died and the role that he played in it because he didn't directly kill her, but his lack of knowledge basically and him gathering up those berries in the first place is what led her to eat them. And so, and we know what kind of person he is. We know how he feels about like not wanting to kill anyone unless it like really, really came down to it. Um, so someone being killed because he lacked the experience to know that those berries were not safe to eat is in a lot of ways worse for him because it was not like he killed. And again, he didn't directly kill her, but again, it's like who he is to still feel guilty about it because she did indirectly die because of him and it's also like different because it wasn't in any form of self-defense on his part they didn't even know that she was following them it was purely like he didn't know and she died because of it um and i like that katniss is the one who acknowledges it he doesn't bring it up but she's basically thinking like i know that he feels guilty about it which i think is just an indication of like she's starting to understand who he is as a person beyond like the cameras and the acts and the performances like she's starting to really see who he actually is and also starting to like call back to that scene on the rooftop where he said a lot of personal things to her and like really gave her a look at what kind of person he is but she kind of disregarded it because she didn't trust him at that point but now she's starting to kind of connect back to that and be like no that stuff was real and those were genuine things that he was saying to me and I see it now because he feels guilty for killing a person who was in the end our competition and her death did help them win but he still feels bad about it and it's different than like like Katniss obviously experiences some guilt too after she kills Marvel in particular um and like she you know she there had been other people that she had killed before but marvel was the first person that like she directly killed and i talked about this i think a couple weeks ago um but they experienced that guilt in in different ways i think and i think it's very interesting and it speaks a lot to their characters where katniss um first of all it like takes a a toll on her mentally because she has killed a person and that's not like an easy thing to just wipe from your mind um and also the way in which she killed him like she literally shoots him through the chest 
Um, so it's very violent and very traumatic also because of the circumstances of like, or she had just watched Ruby stabbed too. Um, so it's obviously a very different situation as well, but like Katniss felt, and we can infer like that she felt some guilt and like she has obviously a lot of trauma from the way that she had killed Glimmer and the tribute from district four with the tracker jackers. Also, because again, like that whole experience was a lot for her, but it's, it's very different than how she feels about Marvel. And both of those feelings are very different than the way that PETA feels about having indirectly killed Foxface. And so I think that like, that's also a, a theme that's explored in this series is like, what it means to be a killer essentially and like how different people respond in situations where you have no choice but to kill someone which obviously like it's a little different for PETA because even though it was an accident it wasn't like a self-defense thing but it's still just like PETA would have responded differently had he been the one to kill Marvel and had he been the one to drop the tracker jackers on Glimmer and the girl from District 4. You know, it's like a mentality thing as much as it is uh, the circumstances were different and like Katniss would not have responded the same way had she been the one to pick those berries that killed Foxface. Um, I think that an important thing to note is that PETA and Katniss obviously are very different people. I know it's crazy. It's almost like that's like half the point. Um, And so I think now that we are really getting the two of them together, we can kind of compare and contrast like their responses to the overarching circumstances of like, we're in the Hunger Games. How am I going to react to that? Moving on to these horrible, horrible mutations. Absolutely terrifying, first of all. So the thing with these mutts is they're kind of like dogs, but also not at all. Um, because they also move in like a weirdly human way and they like their back legs are stronger than like a dog's back leg should be stuff like that. But I think the really important thing to note about them is that they are each created to resemble one of the dead tributes. And when I say resemble, do I mean resemble or do I mean they were literally made from the dead tributes? We don't know. It's left up in the air. Um, I don't think it's a stretch to think that the capital would do that but also as Katniss points out like yes they have the dead tributes eyes and if those are their real eyes that is so messed up they have like their coats are like the same as the hair of the tributes stuff like that but the thing that she brings up is she's wondering what if they have the tributes minds like their brains um and she basically goes on to say like what if they turn the dead tributes into these creatures and like warped their brains to make them want revenge against us the people who either directly killed them or who outlived them so are like a part in their death i just think it's so interesting what the capital can do to people's brains you know um and so i don't think that it's completely unreasonable to be unreasonable to be like yeah they did actually turn the dead tributes into these creatures and they have the minds of those creatures super messed up yeah uh but we know what the capital is capable of and what kind of insane people they have making these things so i don't think it's completely it's not as far-fetched as it should be i guess i'll say and we also like 
this is more like in Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, in Dr. Gall's like evil laboratory, she has like Avoxes that she's experimenting on. So like we know that the capital has and probably does turn humans into mutations or something of the kind. In fact, they there's an example of it in Ballad, and there's obviously the bigger example of it in Mockingjay of them using science to turn nice not cruel human beings into messed up violent killers anyway (laughs) I'm so sorry I'm just thinking about uh, Mockingjay um but yeah I could spend an entire episode talking about mutations and all the weird messed up theories I have about hijacking and mutts and the various different ones that we see throughout the series but I won't right now maybe someday I will maybe in the like stretch of time after I finish going through the ballad book and before the movie comes out because I'll have a little bit of gap there to talk about whatever I want maybe I'll do an episode on that it would be really disturbing though but I might do it anyway because I think it's interesting but yeah, we have these really messed up mutts that are either created for, from or made to look like they were created from the dead tributes to literally terrify those who are still living. And it works. Shocking. It terrified me as a reader, especially when I was like a young child, too young to be reading that, I'll say. Like maybe I was having nightmares um, about these mutts. Anyway, moving along, um, they're on top of the cornucopia. Kato is there and Kato grabs Peta, has him in a headlock and basically says to Katniss like if you shoot me I'll pull him over the side and you'll win and Katniss totally could she could have in that moment decided I like don't have a choice here I'm gonna shoot Kato and kill Peta as well and I'm gonna win but she doesn't do that because she's Katniss and she wouldn't do that but she basically is in this impossible situation of like if she shoots Kato, Peta dies. If she hesitates, Kato will, like, because Peta's, like, losing air because he's in a headlock. Um, so if she waits too long, Peta will stop breathing, and then Kato can probably overpower her because he has his, like, fancy body armor that he's wearing during all of this. Um, and so she kind of has to, like, make a decision quick, but she's trapped. Like, there's no win for her here. But Peta being the literal genius that he is. Have I said before that I think Peter's a genius? I know I have. And I'll say it again. I'll say it a million times. He's a genius. He uses the blood from the wound on his leg to mark Cato's hand with an X, telling Katniss to shoot his hand. And she does. And then Peter uses that moment to like push Cato over. He's so smart. I love him so much. <sighs> anyway. So yeah, uh, Kato goes over the side and the mutts basically drag him into the cornucopia. But then instead of just killing him because the game makers are the game makers and they're like, oh, this is a great show. Which, okay, I hate that I'm about to be like questioning the people of the Capitol because we've we've established that they're like not normal people and like we shouldn't try to unpack what goes through their brains. But I'm going to do it really quickly anyway. Because a lot of the stuff the game makers do is to create more, like, physical fighting and less people dying of, like, natural conditions or, like, having people die from, like, weird messed up mutts. But they have the mutts basically, like, eat 
Kato essentially for like the entire night for the show. Who wants to watch that? Who wants to watch that? I would love to know. Anyway, that it's just so and like Katniss and Peta are on top of the cornucopia. Peta's like about to die because his leg is still not healed and it's like even worse than it was before. And they're like, Peta might literally die if we don't get out of here right now. And they're listening to Kato like slowly and agonizingly die underneath them. And it's also like freezing cold because of the arena's weather conditions. And they like they're there all night and they're up all night. Craziness. Like it's super messed up. But yeah, so this goes on all night and he's still not dead. And Katniss is basically like, okay, Peta's literally going to die if I don't do something right now. So she climbs down and shoots Kato. But at that point, it's out of, like, mercy. As much as it is to get them out of there and to make them the winners and to save Peta, it's also out of, like, pure mercy for Kato because as much, like, pain and, and struggle that he's caused her over the past few weeks in the arena, no one deserves that. No one deserves to die like that. Absolutely no one. Um, so she climbs down and shoots him. And then they're the only ones left, but we can't just have that. So the rule change gets announced again and they're like, oh, now only one person can win. And so PETA starts to reach for his blade to like drop it on the ground. But Katniss thinks that he's going to kill her. So she like draws her weapon on him. And then he's basically like, go ahead and kill me. Let's discuss something for a moment. And that something is... Peta's family, specifically his mother. I know that some of it is out of a like, he genuinely loves Katniss at this point and like wants her to go home. And also he knows that she has her mother and her sister to get back to. Like, there's a lot of factors, but Peta always has less motivation to get home than Katniss. And part of it is for the reason I said, because of Prim, Katniss knows that she has to get back for her. But part of it is because Peta's family literally sucks. Like, like his dad like his it's his mom like his mom we know is physically abusive and literally told him that she knew he, that she thought he was gonna lose like before he went to the arena and said that she thought Katniss was gonna win um such a awful thing to say to your child who you will maybe never see again but like the fact that Pita, a part of him like doesn't even want to return home is really really heartbreaking Um, But yeah, he basically says, like, kill me, you should go home. And she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And this is when she pulls out the nightlock. One, like, teeny tiny thing that I will probably mention again when I do my movie episode where I talk about the movie, Um, but I'm going to mention it now in case I forget, is that in the book, during the scene with the nightlock, when they're about to eat the nightlock, they're standing back to back. But in the movie, they're standing face to face, which seems like nothing. But honestly, them being back to back, like, and and I, I've talked a million times about, like, Katniss's inability to trust people or, like, how it's really hard for her to trust people and that being a huge theme in the franchise of, like, who can you really trust? Um, and it's a thing that I'm going to keep talking about because, again, I think it's one of the key elements of specifically her character, but just the story in general, like, trust and who's actually got your back and who doesn't. But the level of trust that both of them place in each other when they're standing there back to back, because one of them could totally just not eat the berries, but they trust each other enough to know that they're both in this together. And I think that that is huge. 
and it's also okay some of the book to movie differences i'm like whatever or like this is actually a good choice for a movie or i understand that we just didn't have time they could have been back to back in this scene they could have been back to back anyway it really like is so small in the long run but to me personally it is important um so i feel the need to point it out and say that i love that they're back to back because again it's a trust thing and this is the first time when she like truly truly places her trust in him like there's been little moments yeah but she's trusting him to not like throw the berries out and let her die and and take the victory for himself but at this point she knows that he's not going to do that and he knows she wouldn't do that so they stand back to back anyway um and this is also another big act of rebellion for Katniss her biggest so far for sure um because she has you know the when she's demonstrating her skills for the game makers and she shoots the arrow at them and she has when she puts the flowers around Rue um but this is huge because she's literally being like screw the capital and their rules I'm not gonna kill PETA right here even though that's what they want um and this is also like obviously the the thing with the game makers was like private no one knows about it um and we don't know how much of like the thing with Rue was televised, but I'm guessing the flowers were not televised because they're not included in like the recap that they show. Which, by the way, can I just say they make them watch a three hour recap of the entire games? The people at Panem have been watching this basically in all their free time for the last two weeks. And now they're going to make them watch a three hour recap of it. Like, geez, like, please pack it up, pack it up. Anyway, but yeah, her decorating Rue's body with the flowers was not in the recap. Somebody guessed it didn't get broadcast, but the the Nightlock incident literally has to get broadcast um, because otherwise people will be like, who won? What happened? So this is like her first widely televised act of rebellion. And it is what is going to cement her as the Mockingjay and as the symbol of this rebellion that is going to be starting soon or it's kind of already started anyway it doesn't matter the point is this is the spark so to speak and then they win yay for them and then they get pulled out of the arena and separated and Katniss basically gets locked in a room for like an extensive period of time and the the person who like brings her stuff while she's in this room is Lavinia the A-box from that she had recognized from the woods outside of 12 that she kind of has a, somewhat of a friendship with. Um, but she doesn't want to ask her anything because she doesn't want to get herself or Lavinia in trouble specifically. doesn't want to get her in trouble. Um, but she does. The one thing she asks her is if PETA made it and she lets her know that he did. Um, so she knows PETA's alive. Thank God for all of us, really not just for her. Thank God PETA lived, but they're separated for a while. And then, she gets reunited. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I am like smiling right now. Like when I tell you guys that I have like a physical reaction to stuff like this, I'm not making it up. Um, <laughs> she gets reunited with Hamit and Effie and Cinna. And the line that says, it's something like t- surprising everyone, including myself, I run into Hamit's arms first. Suzanne Collins. Anyway, <laughs> I love them so much so glad that Hamish is back in these chapters physically um 
not that it stopped me from talking about him when he wasn't actually there, but now he's he's here and I'm going to talk about him a lot. He's also here at the beginning of Catching Fire and I will be discussing him every single week at length. So you all have that to look forward to. But no, she runs right to Hamish. What if I cried? Anyway, um, <laughs> that was not a thoughtful comment. That was just me losing it for a second. But now I'm back to being smart and saying smart things. Okay. Um, so yeah, she reunites with all of them and she gets prepared for their like closing ceremonies. Um, and she gets this gorgeous yellow dress from Cinna. Um, that's very different than the other things that he's designed for her. She describes it as being like less sophisticated, but it's also a lot more childlike. It makes her look younger. It makes her look more vulnerable, which obviously is exactly the point because then she goes and like gets prepped to go on stage for the ceremony. And she's also been told that like the reason she hasn't been allowed to see PETA is because they want to film their reunion um, on and get it on stage, whatever. And so while they're waiting to go on stage, Hamish basically is like secretly is like, hey, um, the Capitol is not happy with you because you beat them basically at their own game, um, literally and figuratively. Uh, but they need you they need you to convince everyone that you did it out of love for PETA, not as like an act of rebellion. So we're basically presenting you as this like poor child in love who just wanted to do anything to stay with the person she loved. Um, but during this, Katniss basically asks Hamage, like, did you say the same thing to PETA? And Hamage is like, oh, he's already got it. <laughs> and first Katniss is like, oh yeah, PETA, like PETA always is like gets Hamage's strategy. Or like PETA always like is better at this stuff than I am. So he must just have like figured it out or they already talked about it or something. And then she's like, or maybe he's actually in love with me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking it's that. Um, but literally Hamage is like, I don't have to coach Peter on this because he already is madly in love with you. He doesn't need to act. <sighs> so true of them. Anyway, so yeah, they go for their closing ceremonies. They make them watch that horrendous three-hour recap of the entire games. They There's a bunch of other stuff, like parties, celebrations for them. You know, you know the stuff. Um, and then they have their final interview where Katniss is basically like, okay, I need to convince everyone that I did everything out of love or else I'm literally screwed. And so first Caesar asks her like, what was the moment that you realized that you were in love with him? And she's like, I don't know. And then he like guides her to the answer being like when she calls out for him uh, after they announced the rule change. Okay, actually I'm backtracking a bit because I forgot to talk about this and it's like a big thing and I can't believe I skipped over it almost. Uh, so while they're showing the recap, this is when Katniss finally gets to see what Peta was actually doing the entire time. Because we talked about, like, he worked with the careers, but then he, like, saved her from Cato, and it was all a confusing mess. And she obviously had no way of knowing what he was actually doing. But now that we see this entire recap, we see that he was just, like, he he never wanted to help the careers. And he, like, stayed up all night under the tree with the tracker jackers. And he... Um, he fought Cato off after the tracker jackers to save Katniss. And he, like, when he was injured in the mud, he was, like, saying her name. All that cute stuff. Literally. Okay. Quick side note. <sighs> Peter Malark. Anyway, that was the side note. The side note was that he is... I was... I'm, like, every time I'm reading this, I'm, like, blushing. Like, where are the real men that are going to be like that? Anyway. 
Uh, but that's not the point here. The point here is that Katniss sees all this and is like, oh, so he actually was doing everything. Like, he was actually on my side the entire time. But anyway, moving along to their final interview. Yeah, Caesar says, he's like, oh, yeah, what, for me, the moment I realized that you loved him was, like, when you called out for him. Which, to be fair to us as the reader, is a, one of the moments where we realize that she actually cares about him because it's a total, like gut reaction and it's not for cameras or anything it's just out of like she realizes they can both win and she calls out for him immediately so she basically goes along with that and then she learns on camera in the middle of the interview that Peta actually has a prosthetic leg now and she feels terrible because she's like if I hadn't used that tourniquet at the very end like you wouldn't have had to lose your leg and she knew it was risky at the time and she's like maybe I shouldn't have done it but he basically is like sorry for what for not letting me die like for being literally the reason I'm alive um because he would have died if she hadn't done that and if she hadn't done like any of the stuff she did for him but yeah he has a prosthetic leg now um and then that obviously shakes her so she's kind of like zoned out for the rest of the interview but you know Peter usually does most of the talking anyway then at the very end Caesar asks her like what was going through your mind when you pulled out the nightlock and she says something along the lines of like I just knew I couldn't live without him. And and then they rap and Hamish is like, you slayed. Good job. Um, so then they're on the train back home and everything should be great. Um, but then Peta and Katniss are like together when they get a quick stop and Hamish comes over <laughs> to them and says to Katniss like, all right, you did good. Just a, just a little bit longer and then you'll be like chilling. and. And Peter's like, what's he talking about? And Candace is like, the Capitol's not happy with us for the, the thing with the berries, specifically me. Um, so we just have to pretend like we did it all out of love. And Peter's like, oh, so you were pretending to be in love with me this whole time. I was not pretending. I wasn't. Um, Candace basically is like, I don't know what was real and what wasn't. Um, because at this point, she kind of doesn't. Like, she knows she cares about him in some capacity, but like, whether it's romantic, like, she doesn't know. Um, and so she basically, like, it wasn't all an act, but, like, it w- like it was, but, like, this is blah, blah, blah. And he basically is like, okay, no, I see how it is. Whatever. Um, but he's not mad, per se, because he knows that at the end of the day, whether it was real or not, she, her either being in love with him or pretending to be in love with the, him, like, is a big part of what saved them and and what kept them alive um and got them sponsors all of that so he's not mad at her he's just hurt because he is desperately in love with this girl and she and thought that she loved him back but is now finding out that most or all of it was purely out of a need for survival um which yeah (laughs) would hurt i can imagine that would be not a fun thing to learn um and so they go back to 12 and basically it's it sort of leaves off as like once they do their return which is obviously being televised as everything is um they'll go on with their lives with their new money um and sort of just like forget the whole thing ever happened basically which neither of them I mean obviously both of them would love to forget everything that had happened that was super awful but in terms of like their relationship even though Katniss is not sure of her feelings for him yet she doesn't want to lose him and she feels safe with him and comfortable and he brings her a sense of security that she's never really had 
Um, so she doesn't want to lose that. But it also wouldn't be fair for her to just be like, oh, no, I do love you just to kind of keep him around to keep that sense of security. Um, so she doesn't do that. And PETA obviously doesn't want to lose her, but he doesn't want to like continue to be like, oh, I, I love you. Like we're this happy couple that the Capitol wants everyone to think we are because he wants it to be real. And so he doesn't want to like be a part of this act. He wants to be with her for real. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like a lot of uncertainty on both sides. And also what they're not even really thinking of at this point is like, how, what are our quote unquote normal lives going to look like when we go back to them? Uh, which is what I was kind of talking about at the beginning of this episode of like, things are very different for them. They are extremely, extremely wealthy now. Um, they're going to move to the Victor's Village. And then even though they're not going to be constantly televised like they have been since they got reaped, they're not just off the hook. Like the previous victors are celebrities and they're also mentors now. Um, and so they may think that they can just kind of like go on with their lives and try to forget everything that happened to them, but it's not going to be like that. Hence why there are two other novels after this. And then Candace also has this brief moment at the end of the book where she's like, thinking about reuniting with Gail and she's like, why do I feel like I am lying to someone or two people right now? Because obviously there was a part of her that was kind of lying to PETA and, and like acting like these feelings were real. Um, not that it was that simple. Like she never straight out like lied to him, but it was all like part of the show that they were putting on. And so he feels a little bit lied to but again, he's not, like, mad because he understands. Um, but she also is, like, there's never been anything romantic between her and Gail. But, like, isn't there, though? You know what I mean? Like, it's that kind of situation where, like, they've never actually been anything. They've never been, like, dating or whatever. But she can at least be somewhat aware that there's something a little more than friendship that's kind of been between them. Um, and so she, oh, there's also a part of her that's like, what's Gail going to think of all of this? Um, and the fact that I'm supposedly madly in love with Peta now. And she kind of has to like switch her mindset of like who she was for the capital and for the games and for the cameras and for sponsors and, and for all of that and go back to who she was for her family and for Gail. But those two things cannot be separated out that easily. She can't just, you know, like pretend nothing changed and go back to exactly who she was before, even if she would much rather do that. It's not that simple for her and she can't just like erase all the things that have happened to her. And so it's going to definitely be like an adjustment. And so then the question becomes like how much of an adjustment and how much are things going to change in terms of like her relationships with the people she left behind and how are they as individuals how have they changed during our time in the games and how will they going forward having to adjust to like how different their lives are going to be now that she is a victor and so yeah i think that's what catching fire kind of serves to answer is like how do you go back home and how much of yourself are you like leaving behind in the arena like how how truly truly changed are you and what pieces of your old self can you hold on to those are the big questions that we are left with at the end of this novel. Anyway, Catching Fire. Man, what a book. Cannot wait 
we have the third quarter quell crazy crazy times lots of new characters some of the best characters in the entire series get introduced in catching fire and i also think that like going back a little bit to the whole like what is what are her feelings for pito what are her feelings for gail like is something that she doesn't even really want to think about like it's it's not just that she can't untangle that mess it's that she doesn't want to have that on her plate on top of everything else like she has been through so much and will go through a lot more and has a lot that she has to deal with back home after this experience and so the last thing she wants to be dealing with is what like what are my feelings for Peta? do I love him was it all just an act or have I always had feelings for Gail? Do I have feelings for him? Is that going to change? Like, these are the kind of questions that she doesn't want to have to be dealing with. And in fairness, like, shouldn't really be asked to deal with right now. But unfortunately, there's circumstances of, like, she has to pretend to be madly in love with Peta for her own survival and for her family's survival mean that she is going to be forced to grapple with that because, like, this whole act that they have to keep up she's always going to be thinking like, am I just doing this for survival? Am I just doing this because Hamid told me to? Am I doing this out of like genuine love or at the at the least like care for PETA? And she'd rather just not think about those things and it would be so much easier for her and, and she could maybe find some semblance of peace after all these horrible things have happened to her if she didn't also have all of that on her shoulders and she doesn't even know how gail's gonna respond and how much weight that's going to add to her shoulders um but it's definitely something she worries about as they're like on the train back to 12 these are the kind of questions that are in her mind and so it's very much like we're in this precarious situation of like everything kind of worked out we both lived we both made it home we both get to be reunited with our friends and family but like did it really like are we really all good though because the capital's still kind of on us specifically Katniss it, it also is like it's it's Katniss like she's the one who pulled out those berries everyone in the entire country knows it was her, her idea Peter was just like Peter Peter was gonna go along with what the game makers wanted when he asked Katniss to just kill him so she could go home and so like it's her they're upset with and also Peter is better at selling this act than her because it's not an act for him. Um, and so it's really on her to keep this up because she's the one who has to put on a performance for it because she doesn't know yet if she actually loves Peter or not. And that obviously is made even harder to figure out by the fact that she has to pretend to be in love with him no matter what her actual feelings are. But it is truly her that is like, and obviously it puts both of them in danger. Katniss, you know, is the one that like, the capital's upset with but Pita is a person even if they're not madly in love like they're saying they are he's still a person she cares about and he still also was a part of it and so it inadvertently puts him at risk and so and obviously she's thinking of that when she's doing what Hamish tells her to um but yeah she's the one that's like on the capital's radar as being like she's a problem and if she doesn't go along with what we need her to go along with, mm, we have to get rid of her. And so it really does fall on her to, like, Pita didn't even know that this was an issue until she told him on their way back. So she was the one carrying that 
throughout their like closing ceremonies and interviews. Like that was all on her. Thanks for joining me this week on Tales of Panem. Next week is the first week of the month, so I'll be doing my monthly character episode, which will be on Peta Malark. If you have any specific questions or topics you'd like me to cover, you can DM them to me on any social media or send them to my email, which is talesofpanem at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave a review or rating of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would be very appreciated. Thank you again for listening, and I'll be back next week. Thank you.